This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's topic was must-see TV. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And it is episode number 72. We're here, Bill. Adam. 72. What do we have? Dexter Manley, defensive end for the Washington Redskins, one of my first starting lineup toys I ever got. And he was a bad man. I he, he was, what? <laughs> he was one of like the first pro athletes in my consciousness that was like, oh, he's firstly a criminal and then also a pro athlete. I can't <laughs> believe I live and die by NFL facts and stats. I've never heard of Dexter Manley, and I'm positive he's real. It was only only because I was just home recently visiting my darling family, and I was kind of my brother and I were nostalgically pouring through our starting lineups. Now, was he actually Dexter. scary, or was he actually a criminal? In my in my memory of him as a child, he was a big scary man, right? And I think that he was. I think that maybe he was uh-huh. kind of a bad, maybe a bad boy for sure. I mean, like there was a guy, Ken Norton Jr. He wasn't a criminal, but like I was a Giants fan, and he always tackled my quarterback, Come so he on. was a criminal. To he me. was one of the coolest middle linebackers. Scary. His father was a boxing champion. Ken Norton Sr. was like a Muhammad Ali peer boxing master. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, Ken Norton's Jr. Ken Norton Jr.'s sack celebration was shadow boxing. Really? Yes. Also, his profile pick when he would do a good. Thing and his stats would come up, he'd be wearing a cowboy hat. Yes! And that's big. That's cool. That's a choice. That's cool. I imagine there was a conversation between Ken Norton Jr. and the <clears throat> photographer. And the photographer was like, listen, we're going to have to like really frame out your chest and your number to get the hat in. Why don't you just take the hat off so that we can get like the shot that we need? And Ken Norton Jr. was like, no. No, nope, the hat stays. <laughs> that- <laughs> It's just that okay. there's this one specific... Yeah. Are, are you sure? Because we could just get the 92. It's and really the- either your jersey or the hat. Stays. <laughs> All right, the hat stays, hat guys. Stays. Let's frame up those cameras. Hat Get them up. Stays. Get them up. Do you think you could ever pull off a cowboy hat, just like in life <laughs> as a man in the world? Do you think? First, that let me start off by saying <laughs> that those who can and do, you look great. Ryan Glennon, I would say, is the only person in uh, in my life that yeah. wears a cowboy hat and looks fly. And cowboys, real cowboys out there. Real, that I don't ones. know, but yeah. I've seen pictures of in. Ads Maybe or, your colleague Sam Elliott. Sure. Maybe your ex-colleague Sam Elliott. I've I, seen him in a cowboy born hat. Born in a cowboy hat. Yeah. My peer, Sam Elliott, <laughs> your peer. looks great in a cowboy hat. <laughs> yes. Um, I kind of have a head. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> I have a head that is like long. Yeah. Top north to south yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got a north to south head. For sure. And I feel like you need like a little filler east to west. Otherwise, you can really kind of look like a pencil head. Goes over the ears. Just like a pencil head. Like a real like... Just dweeb. Like if you look – if you're trying to wear a cowboy hat and you shouldn't, you look like a, like an instant dweeb. Exactly. You got to know it. You have to know. And I've seen it. And like just my hair and my face. Like glasses don't really vibe with a cowboy hat. Definitely Just right not. off the bat. It's Two accessories like, on your face. You're already going way too hard. Your head is too much, sir. Man. Right. Your head is too much. One accessory. I think that like we America has agreed. You get one accessory on your head. How do you think I feel – and not to make this a sob story all about me. Right. How do you think I feel walking around Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles? Yeah. Hat mandatory. I'm not going to be a sunscreen guy. Mm-hmm. Glasses mandatory. I have to drive. Right. What am I? So, how am I supposed I to? I can't live? wait until you have to wear a retainer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like a Steve Urkel retainer. Just huge. Just headgear. When Adam turned 39, remember when he just started wearing braces again? It was when he thought that it would be clever to connect his hat to his headgear. <laughs> It's like a football helmet. <laughs> so weird for his teeth. Yeah. Why did he do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, think I could pull up a cowboy hat either, but I admire Ken Norton Jr. a lot. Yeah. A Episode lot. 72. Yeah, baby. Um, must see TV. Yeah. Yeah, dog. We're going to talk about must see TV, not to be confused with two episodes ago when we talked about the 1990s in general. And TNBC. <laughs> and TNBC. But that really was like kid brother, uh, older brother, or, you know, like the adults watched uh, must see TV. Exactly. And the kids had must see TV, but it was just for the tea. Saturday mornings. Just tea. Saturday morning. That was City Guy, California Dreams, That's right. Saved by the Bell. The college years. Et cetera. Exactly. That was TNBC, which we touched on, I think, pretty thoroughly a couple episodes ago. But tonight, we tonight, tonight, <laughs> tonight, tonight, folks, Thursday night, 1993, Right. any Thursday night of any of the 1990s. The most prime, prime time I think my prime has ever seen. Yes, exactly. Yes. And first of all, eight to 10. And again, let's just, just for an overview of what the line, of what the must-see TV lineup was in the heyday of Thursday night. Thursday night. NBC comedy lineup. Start there. Eight o'clock, Friends. Yes. I mean, this is a linchpin of our youth, obviously. Your family just finished dinner. Yep. Maybe you watched Wheel of Fortune. Yep. Now it's time for the good stuff. Yes. In, in my family, it was coming home from my parents' karate class. We picked up Chinese food at Gold Coin, this, and we would come home from a CTV. This is a dream day. Dream day. Dream day. Dream day. Also, let me just to set the thing. Thursday is the ideal day for a is the ideal night for a musty TV. Just in the context of a week, you're already eighty percent done with the work, school, play. You're almost everybody's working for the weekend, and yet you still get to talk about that episode the next day at work slash school with your friends Friday morning. Everyone's already in a good Friday mood. People are sort of happily reminiscing about the Frasier. Can you believe what Chandler said? Exactly. So eight o'clock was friends. Yes. Eight thirty was the flex spot. Okay. Eight thirty seasonal shuffled seasonal seasonal foods. Eight thirty was seasonal foods. Some of the ones that I recall uh, were the single guy with Jonathan Silverman and the uh, single guy. <laughs> The single guy? The, yeah, the. I don't remember this. Oh, yeah. The single guy. Yeah, that was Ernest Borgnine was the doorman, and Jonathan Silverman was our our uh, our Semitic lead, I believe they call him. The single guy. The one. He was a single guy in New York City. You know what yeah, 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 he was. And he was dating. That doesn't sound musty. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't as musty as the others. I think sometimes it was Caroline in the City. Okay. Ian Thompson, which you remember. Love. Was she a cartoonist? She was an animator. And sometimes those animations would come to life just like kind of in between I think in like between, bumpers I kind think of little bumpers mm -hmm. she had a very kind of erudite maybe in retrospect gay roommate collaborator named Malcolm uh -huh. that guy who yep. was there sometimes yeah where did that take place I believe that was in New York City <laughs> the big uh, <laughs> The big city? At uh, 9 o'clock. Yeah. What happened at 9 o'clock? Uh, oh, at 9 o'clock? Yes. Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Seinfeld, the most defining everything. We are here because of Seinfeld. Where did that take place? New York City. <laughs> so if you wanted to really the see the country, <laughs> must see TV. It takes place anywhere from the West Village all the way up to the West 50s. <laughs> oh, that's the range. Must see. Yeah. Right. Seinfeld was 9 and then 9.30... Time to get a little serious. Frasier. They're therapists. There's right. fancy white text over black title cards. Yes. It's a little more sophisticated. They're guiding us into the drama. 10 o'clock ER. Time that to get was serious. We're going to the emergency room. The full parents. That's when the kids would peace. You're right. See ya. Full parents. <laughs> that's, that's really just for the parents. The, the Seinfeld to Frasier. The kids didn't really want to mess with Frasier. So they're like, nope. I'll just go to bed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Seinfeld was the high note for yeah. us tweens yep. and teens. Yes. Um, 
yeah, that was, and it really was musty TV. And I mean, just to, and we'll dig into each show. Oh, sure. And especially the single guy, the one. But um, just with ER, real quick. Yeah, that was uh, Clooney's kind of Clooney's coming out for sure, right? Oh my God, Juliana yeah. Margulies coming out. That was a hugely, hugely, huge. I feel like that was like one of the most. I mean, again, we were just like just on the younger side of that, but right. that was again those medical dramas, which are still on. Those TV shows still exist. That that one show, Grey's Anatomy, that's still on. That's still on. Yeah. These medical shows run for years. Soap operas. My God, they really are soap operas. Yeah. Doctors, cops, sometimes firefighters. Sure. It's like these shows are ubiquitous, are forever. It's because people know what doctors do. That's right. So there's not too much explaining. The most like American shows right now are Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med. And everything else is (laughs) blank NCIS. (laughs) Miami NCIS. We'll take the city that's in the middle of the country and the three jobs we know for sure are jobs. <laughs> right. Just like that. Chicago Fire. You're so right. Chicago BD, Chicago Med. Um, so Clooney came out. Margulies came out. Yep. What's the deal with Noah Wiley and Anthony Edwards? They were rocking pretty hard back then. Noah day. Wiley was like a heartthrob in his own right for sure. He for was sure. basically the Brian Austin Green in 90210. He had the hottest hair. He, he just it. like had the best hair. Yeah. I mean like Clooney was the hottest obviously and he was just like – Untouchable. Untouchable. Right. He was the alpha heartthrob but – Noah Wiley was like the secret tall, yeah. a little more eccentric looking, a little more unconventionally handsome, but mm-hmm. just hell of a head of hair. Yeah. Um, is it Jonathan Edwards or Anthony Edwards? I think it was Anthony. No. Anthony Edwards yeah. was also really critical and amazing on that show. Yeah. Quick shout out to Maggie's mother, Ruth, who was also on ER for like years. What? <laughs> yeah. I could go back to the ER box set and see Ruth, I think her girlfriend's mother. Yeah. I think she sprinkled in there, you know, a few episodes or whatever. That's a great question. I haven't I'm guilt I'm ashamed to admit I have actually not seen the episodes myself. I know that she has did a few episodes of ER over the years. Wow. So your mother-in-law was on ER and yeah. then um a past guest of ours from the Los Angeles episode, Trevor, yes. was Fraser's son. That's true. So we are basically We're... one step removed from 50% of must see TV. We're... We see TV <laughs> All the time now. We see the must-sees. We used to just crave the Thursdays where we could just get a glimpse of Ruth. Now we see Trevor every damn day. I text him all the time. <laughs> he's, he's our friend. I text TV. Yeah, so we're pretty close to must-see. Right. Yeah, we're really, really close. So I think for the sake of this podcast, yeah. maybe we just go through Great. each show starting at the 8 o'clock hour. Friends. 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 So Friends was a big one. Friends was huge. Young. F- friends, they were young people in their t- in their. 20, vaguely in their 20s. Trying to figure it out. That's it. Right. Um, The men lived in, oh, I'm sorry. So it was Joey and Chandler lived in one apartment on one side of the hall. That's right. They sometimes had ducks. Yes. Wacky. Yes. Chandler was a, a, Joey was an actor. He was like a struggling up and coming actor. That's right. Who then later got his own spinoff, Joey, where he was an actor. Right. Uh, Joey was an actor. Chandler had. What was Chandler? Exactly. Okay. One of the, I feel like one of the retrospective, like, quote unquote, jokes about Friends is that, like, how are these, like, very unclearly, uh, you know, employed people affording these like a trillion dollar apartments Massive in the West loss. Village. Right. Massive loss. I think right. I feel like that's like one of the jokes about friends right. and the unrealistic expectations it set about new, what it meant to like live in the village. But it was still the dream apartment. Dream. When we would open up every episode and said like produced by <laughs> Diana Kaufman and then <laughs> yeah. we were just like in their apartment. I was, was like, like, oh, I like yeah. this again. <laughs> yeah. Because who lived in that apartment was Rachel and Monica. Rachel and Monica were across the hall. Right. Rachel and Monica were across the hall. It's worth noting that in windows. sitcoms back in the day, Day. Um, and like even with Home Improvement, the way of just getting a lot of characters in was just to make them live next door to one another and just have them across the fence. They live across the fence. So Friends did that exactly across the hall. Right across the hall. Seinfeld and Kramer, same right thing. Right across just the hall across from the each wall. other. Yeah. 
Okay, because in the crazy city of New York, the craziest people live right across the hall. And they're always knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So Joey and Chandler were over here. Monica and Rachel were over here. Ross was a paleontologist. So That's he had Monica's his own brother. Place. Ross had his own place. He was doing very well for himself. Thank you very much. Though he was very neurotic and in love with Rachel. Incredibly neurotic, in love with Rachel, had previously been married to a woman, turned out to be a lesbian. Julie. 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 Yeah. That was a really nice sort of plot wrinkle. And Ross maybe even had a kid with her, I think. Yeah, I think so. So Ross was over there. Phoebe, yeah. played by the magnetic and wonderful Lisa Kudrow, who yes. I would even argue, and we can talk about this at length, is my personal favorite alum. Okay. A friend's alum. Aniston. Aniston? All Aniston all day. Bill, you looked at me with maybe the most judgment I've ever seen you look at me when I said that Phoebe Team was Aniston. my favorite. She's my favorite actress of all time. Her <laughs> and Julia Roberts are tied to first. <laughs> Oh, America's sweethearts. They're amazing actresses. They are. Jennifer Aniston is really great. I've never seen a movie in which Jennifer Aniston didn't say her line. <laughs> she said she every always line. says them. What more do you need? <laughs> Nothing. Great smile. Nothing. It was good enough for Brad. Okay. okay. 2002, The Good Girl with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Very good movie. Never saw Jennifer Aniston. Never he, saw She it. said all her lines in that one. Oh, I bet. Every single one. I've just seen her big studio stuff. Yep. And her smart water ads. Yes. Yeah. That's where I really knew that she had it. That's when I was like, it's her and Julia Roberts. It's Aniston or it's Roberts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jen Aniston has certainly uh, – yeah, she was really wonderful. Um, and the Rachel was a haircut that like dominated the pop culture sphere for years afterwards. The Rachel. The Rachel became such a thing. Friends was a really big deal. That Cultural lasted for – I feel like that also kind of came right around the time of DVDs. So yeah. So people had the Friends DVD. Yep. Ross ended up with Rachel. Oh man! Now you're putting me on the spot. I, I, I would assume if by the if the laws of television shows are what I think they are. Yes. Right. Well, Seinfeld they ended up in jail. That was so, amazing. I mean, Must See TV had a lot of twist endings. True. They did end up in jail. Yeah. And one of the other, not to get ahead of ourselves, but one of the other 8:30 flex spots was Mad About You, and my personal favorite. Good. Mad About You lived in that 8:30 world. I want to say pretty consistently. Let's pick up uh, the second act with Paul Reiser and Helen. Hunt. One of my personal favorite shows. Do we have to play the Friends theme song in the first act break? I think that we should. Okay. I think at the very least. Okay. We'll be right back. So no one told you life was gonna be this way. Your job's a joke, you broke, your life's to your way. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. I'll be there for you. 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 I'm still in 
That was the theme song to Friends, I'll Be There For You by the band The Rembrandts. It was that and uh, Celine Dion's song from the Titanic. Will go on. My it was, will go on. If you want to cry, you would listen to Celine Dion. If you wanted to think about your friends and how great the 90s are, you listen to The Rembrandts. That was a song. It spoke to Friends popularity because that song burst through from TV theme to radio, just unironic radio hit. Yep. Like no context, not being like, remember the theme song from Friends? It was like this song, yep. devoid of the context of Friends, is a hit song yep. that is an earworm and played incessantly on the radio that usually works with movies yeah there's usually like a big marketing push where it's like we're gonna have a hit song with it and a hit this with it from a rose exactly yes um not with television but the rembrandts they figured it out the that clap it was people love doing that yeah that song was everywhere and honestly i want to say like i mean obviously totally contributed to the mythology and the lore of friends as like this ubiquitous juggernaut show that everyone was watching and loving because that song was everywhere i agree and i think (laughs) what made that such a hit was that when the theme songs played yes and you see the video or like the beginning where the credits roll yes they're doing really relatable things like you and your friends would do yes like um jumping in a fountain soaking wet still holding uh, very primary colored umbrellas and just kind of throwing water at one another and just uh, just missing one another with your very point umbrellas. And wearing full suits. Yeah. And I think people are like, oh, I remember when me and my four closest friends were wearing clothes head to toe, no skin exposed. Brought our monochromatic, solidly colored umbrellas yeah. down to the fountain. Yeah. And- I was there for them. <laughs> And that's how we showed it. Right. I mean, Billy, you and I were doing that all the time in New York. We yes. just go to Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. hop right in the fountain in our full suits and one umbrella. Yeah, it was – I remember that one time. We had just like bartended for like eight hours yeah. and we were exhausted and we're like, should we just get food? And then you looked at me and you're like, let's just go into the fountain. And, and just... you were like, I'll be there for you. And then we kicked water on one another <laughs> and got very sick. You sprained your ankle. It was really – You slipped. Of, yeah, it was a mistake in retrospect. But, uh, but Friends really was able to hit on that relatability living in New York. And it was. It like it's, it made New York – I mean it was in like the booming Giuliani 90s New York right. city of like the sort of disnification of Times Square and like uh, like mega, mega prosperous 90s. I would say that their problems – sorry to interrupt no. you. I would say that their problems were like uh, kind of fun problems at worst. There wasn't like real kind of like – at, you know, maybe at times they tried to extract some drama, but for yeah. the most part, it was like kind of a fun, fast show. It yes. kind of got you into must-see TV. Yes. Mad About You. Yeah. That took a turn for the more real. It was mature. Yeah. It took a turn for the mature. It followed a couple that uh, proved that it wasn't so easy to be a couple. It was literally just like people in their 40s who are married and isn't that hard. Yes. And it was like that was – it was basically just like the trials and tribulations of a pretty, pretty fun- good, well-functioning marriage. So that was Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser. Oh. And when things got too dark or a little too dramatic, Richard Kind would enter the scene and stick his fist in his mouth. Yeah, he's amazing! Stick his fist right in his mouth. Hank Azaria was the dog walker. So. Uh, that show, Mad About You, holds such a special place in my heart. Uh, that is one of my favorite shows. I know that it was like, it's kind of dorky for a 15-year-old to love a show about 40-something marrieds. But man, Paul Reiser, something about his gentle New York accent. Yes. Something about the pa- the literal pattern and rhythm of his speech. Yes. was so familiar to me. Yes. And just was... Oh, that just show New and News City Radio happened. were definitely older than I was supposed to be. Yeah. They were they were for an older demo, but just the <sighs> ensemble of people was like, I just want to watch these people forever. Yes. And Mad About You, once they did have the kid who was named Mabel, which oh. said for mothers always bring extra love. No. Yes. Holy crap. So once they had the kid that was Mabel, there were a few sort of like very special episodes of, or like Mad About You wasn't afraid, to your point, wasn't afraid to get serious. Yes. And wasn't afraid to have that like episode without the laugh track. Yes. <laughs> a very special episode. Yeah. That's a real distinguishing mark. Like yeah. Seinfeld would never <laughs> – 
never have a very special episode. Larry David's uh, motto was no hugging, no learning. Is that <laughs> no? <laughs> That's the rule about his characters? Uh, Seinfeld, about Seinfeld. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because sitcoms were just, and it wraps up in a bow and everyone's happy at no the end. No hugging, no learning. No learning. The characters don't hug, they don't learn lessons. Best show ever. <laughs> <That's not true. laughs> Best show ever. Best show ever. Maybe we've talked about this, but yes, obviously Seinfeld. I mean, we could do an entire podcast about Seinfeld. There probably are podcasts about Seinfeld. Yes. Um, but Seinfeld uh, was sort of defining uh, comedy of certainly in my personal life. I would go so far as to speak for you. It would be <laughs> like certain things like my family, my mom did plays, so she'd be out yeah. for rehearsals and stuff. So yes. we weren't always home at dinner and then after dinner. Right. We were always home Thursday at night. Make it back there. Always. <laughs> that is a point. A, television. there was no DVR. Nope. So if you missed it, your week was ruined. Ruined, man. Ruined. Yes. You probably should VHS record it. Yes. You probably just should. Yes. It was worthy. Every line, when every episode was over, I would just shake my head and be like, how, how do they, they do, do it? it? How'd they do it again? How do they do it? That was a magic trick. It was a magic trick. So much about the show was, in retrospect, because now it's like 25, almost 30 freaking years old, was sort of game-changing and ahead of its timey. I mean, Larry David kind of they pioneered this element of like taking four disparate storylines and weaving them together in a magical way. It's true. It sort of became this trope of a th- of like a thing. Beca- that- because we were so like <laughs> in-tuned or like trained on what we call multi-cam sitcoms. Yeah. Which is everything happens through dialogue in the room. Right. You know, it's like there'll be like the living room where all the problems are established, then at one of their offices where it's like a little bit worse, and then the one weird place, and then we're back in the living room and we're done. You're right. Suddenly, they were going to weird places and taking weird turns. Yes. And it was like still kind of shot traditionally. Yes. But the way they were telling the stories were like, this is new and yeah. weird. Yes. And re- more real than those other shows. God, and that was the thing. It was like the comedy of minutia, I think, which is also so popular now. I mean, to me, it was like enlightening to be like, oh, what's fu- – like hyper-specificity is the funniest thing. Like making – make having a whole episode about like the positioning of the middle button on a button-down shirt. It's like, oh, yeah, like the comedy of the hyper-mundane. Yes. The hyper-mundane. That, that is the most relatable. <laughs> that is the most. It's on my mind all the time, the but pl- I never would talk about it. Seinfeld will never be dated because it never tackled anything topical, That's remotely right. topical. That's right. It was just about like food and clothes. That's right. Just like the most universal and timeless things. Things that just annoyed them. <laughs> Annoying things about food and clothes right. and people. They were always just like <laughs> squinting in disgust <laughs> yeah. at one another on that show. Just like, what? That's the other thing. It also kind of, uh, and I'm sure there have been think pieces written about this, but it also sort of set the tone for unlikable protagonists. Like there is a weird direct line from Seinfeld to say Breaking Bad yes. and even The Sopranos yes. where it's like root and certainly it's always in Philadelphia, obviously, but it's like root for bad people. Curb. Curb. I mean, that's the, the, the nectar of that. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, just because at, at our core, we all know that we want to say these things to people. Self but We live in a civilization. <laughs> We're civilized. We can't. Right. But in our fantasies... Why not? Yes. So like all these characters in Seinfeld, Kramer maybe a little less than the rest, were selfish assholes. Right. Always selfish, always self-serving, never generous, never giving other people the benefit of the doubt. And we wanted to watch a new version of it every time. Oh, This is a piece of advice I would give to any writer who's like just can't think of something to write (laughs) if it's like a pilot or something. Yeah. Write write anything that is the worst version of yourself. Oh, that's nice. Or a version where it's like you say all the things that you would never say in real life but you're actually thinking. That's a nice nice thought. Just do that. Just like just get all those words out. 
out and see. I bet it'll be a fun read when you read back. If you followed all of your worst impulses. Seriously. Like if you were the worst version of you. Yeah. yeah. And if not the worst, somebody who just like definitely goes against all of the things that you wish you could, but you can't. Yes. Yeah. So and then you know you end up in a TV place with someone like Tony Soprano or Walter White, the ultimate compromise protagonist, these like criminal masterminds who yet you still are rooting for. Sympathize. Sympathize with. Right. And I feel like Seinfeld was just like tapping on that glass of like, how detestable can, and selfish can we make these people? Right. And you'll still root for them. Yes. And it was endless. Yeah. And that's why it's so fitting that they ended up in jail. Yes. It's like that's Without what it, learning. Without learning. No learning. No. It was back to the dumb small talk now in prison. Exactly. Yeah. No hugging and no learning. They yes, stuck prison. to it. They stuck to it. Yeah. Um, every character, I think it's worth a small examination. Oh, sure. Jerry, the straight man, <laughs> came out the gates and his acting was questioned. Questioned. Right. He was a stand-up comedian definitely trying his hand at acting. Right. The he show would be the called... first to admit it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The show was called Seinfeld. It starred him. Yes. He was had to be there. Yes. There was no changing him out. Yes. Okay. So he was a straight man. Things happened at his apartment. Yes. His childhood best friend. Yes. George. One of the, uh, George Costanza, one of the all-time great characters in television literature, you name it. Agreed. Agreed. The, crystallizes the selfish petty – the thing about Seinfeld that made it so unique and wonderful, what we just said. Sel- George was selfishness personified. Yes. The most selfish. Yeah. He was just <laughs> – I think about things that he says almost daily. Yeah. The, when he talked about how if he – he's always wrong yes. with everything he always does. <laughs> so if he just goes against his instinct on every single decision, regardless of if he knows it's the wrong one or right one, his life has to be get, get better. <laughs> yeah. And I think about that all the time. Yes. Which is like, if I just did this, I'm sure everything would be fixed. Yes. Yeah. George. That's Larry David. Larry David, yes. Larry David kind of put it through George. Yes. Many famous anecdotes that Jason Alexander tells about him initially essentially doing like a Woody Allen impersonation as George, basically using that as the template. Mm -hmm. And then at one point, he went up to Larry David. He was like, who would like, this is a ridiculous way to react to a situation. No one would react like this. And Larry's like, what are you talking about? That was me. That's me. <laughs> and Jason was like, oh, this is, George is just Larry David. Exactly. So I'm just going to watch you. That's okay, right. I'll just watch you. The most petty. Then the queen. Oh, Elaine. Yes. Oh, my God. The queen. Truly. If you're still, if you're not watching Veep on HBO, yeah. get somebody's HBO Go password and watch Veep. She is unstoppable and has always been Always been. We went out to dinner the other night, and we were talking about how wonderful Julia Louis-Dreyfus is, and you described her as a gl- just a glowing orb of comedy that no matter where you place it, it's just going to glow really bright. Because she's so funny. It's just so bright. Her comedy instincts are un- they're un- unmatched. Also, what was what was kind of groundbreaking about Seinfeld at the time was that you never got to see like a, like Jerry and Elaine are exes and they're friends and like that is no small thing on a sitcom because like in a sitcom if it's a man and a woman like are they gonna and there they, was always a romantic tension and they tried that they were flirting with that in like the first season yeah like I think the famous like takeaway was when they had that conversation about like should we just go have sex in there right yeah now? that's right just to like do it yes um and they, you can see in the early episodes they were like I guess we have to string this along yeah but eventually they just got rid. Of it. They just got rid of it, right? And it was, they were just friends. And but they it was, could like it would, could come up, yeah. But it w- wasn't like others how other sitcoms would yeah. handle it. There was no dramatic tension behind. Yeah, it. Yeah, they were just kind of best friends who would talk to each other openly about their dating lives, right? And just exes being that candid with each other about their dating lives. Mature, progressive urbanites was cool, yeah, and was just a little mold breaky. I feel like in the traditional sitcom mm-hmm. ways. And then there was Kramer. Oh baby, so he had a. <laughs> He, he he tried stand-up. 
Yeah, what? Well, he tried stand up. Michael Richards, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kramer was like, he was the, uh, he was, you know, the eccentric. And he was the funny, he the was funniest. the funniest. He was somehow comic relief on the funniest show. Physical comedy. I think it was because it was surely physical. It was like the Seinfeld was so talky talky and it was so bantery and the delight of it and the pleasure of it was so language based. You need a clown. You need just I someone mean, to Cr- slide in. Kramer existed wordlessly. His comedy was wordless. Hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, truly man. hysterical. God. So that's the big four. They also had some of the best uh, guest stars yes. ever. Yes. The Soup Nazi. The Soup Nazi. I mean, Putty. Yep. yep. Putty. Put- Elaine's boyfriend, Putty, played by Patrick Warburton, one of the funniest characters, again, ever. My mom's favorite, uh, Jay Peterman, who was Elaine's boss at the magazine. Who bought all Jay- of Kramer's <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah, purchased the life rights to his stories, his personal anecdotes. Just yes. every next one. Oh, yes. who, uh, what's his name? Uh, Breaking Bad. Um, oh, yeah. Dr. Tim Watley. Good. DDS. Jesus yes. Christ. The dentist who has play- Playboy in his waiting room makes Kramer uncomfortable, not Jerry. Or maybe it's the other way around. Jeez. Makes Jerry uncomfortable, not Kramer. Yeah. Oh, the bubble boy. <laughs> the bubble boy. <laughs> Newman. Anybody. Newman. You name. <laughs> Yeah, Seinfeld remains, and to, and that's the thing. It's like it's so delicious and amazing to go back and revisit now because it it does it cannot feel dated because it was never relevant or right. topical or pegged to any era whatsoever. It's true. It just wasn't. That's what it is. It had nothing to do with the world around it. Right. Yeah. Um. Did Seinfeld have like a proper like long theme song? Of course, it was like the boom, ba dum, boom, 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 ba dum. Can't believe that just came out. <laughs> so is there like a, like a two minute version? No, I, I think there's. I think there might be like a longer version that played over it, maybe like the end credits. Did any of them like put out a song? <laughs> no. I was like, no hugging, no learning, no music. Never, never. Just believe it or not, George okay. is at home. I think that's what it is. So it's not just really that. We're gonna one. play George's answer machine. Oh, perfect. Okay, okay we'll play okay, George's answer machine in the second act. Thank right. you. We'll be right back. <laughs> George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. That was George Costanza's answering machine. Yes. From, from 9 o'clock on Thursday slot of Mussy TV Seinfeld. Jason Alexander. Yeah. Don't mean to put you on the spot. He's a personal friend of yours. I mean, we have we made a pilot together. He is a, such a sweet mensch, and we got to know each other a little bit. How often? How, do you text him once a month? Once a month is a push. I texted him recently because I saw that he is working on a new series, and I just sort of congratulated exactly. him. Exactly. But he's he, uh, you know, he we're we're. We're acquaintances on the way to friends, for sure. Pretty good? Yeah, pretty good. He's a really sweet guy and obviously one of the most talented people that lives. The race is on. I got to get Fatone. You got to get uh, Alexander. Jay, okay. First one in the studio. That's wins. it, man. <laughs> and if they can only do the same day, that is a, a blockbuster podcast. Wow. Block. The <laughs> episode no one asked for. <laughs> 1995 is in the building. Oh. <laughs> That'll be a two-parter. That'll be a two-parter. So it's Fatone v. Alexander. Yeah. May the best man win. May the best man win. Yeah. I do not text uh, Joey Fatone once a month. No. Do you ever? No, never. No, never. We've never. I don't think we've ever. We might have been at the same family reunion once or twice. Yeah. So that's where we're at. We can nail him down, though. Okay. We'll nail him down, I think. I feel like that. Uh, So Seinfeld occupied the coveted nine o'clock spot of must-see TV, and that wasn't budging. Seinfeld was a fixture for nine seasons. A a decade. Yep. The 90s, essentially. Wasn't going anywhere. Wasn't going anywhere. That was fixed. They were getting a million an episode towards the end. They were the best one. God almighty. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So 9.30 p.m. Time, time as, to get serious we again. told about it, it's time to get serious. Put the kids to bed, maybe. They would never go wacky, wacky. Right. They would go wacky friends, serious mad about you. Wacky, wacky Seinfeld, Seinfeld, 
intellectual Frasier. So Frasier was a little heady. It was like for the yeah snobs. It was for the snobs. Yeah. And because it was for the snobs, because it was about snobs. Yes. It was a for snobs it by was snobs. Amazing show. It was so fun. It's often. I mean, like I've read books that say like it was the most perfectly written. Sitcom. Is that true? Yeah. It was really great, wasn't it? It was like picture perfect. Like yes. the the scenes were so, written so well, yes. and the characters were so fun. Like Niles. Yes. I have no. I shouldn't relate to Niles, but he's such a fun character. Why is he so funny? David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. So it essentially was Kelsey Grammer played Frasier Crane. Um, David I. Pierce played Niles. They were brothers, both therapists. Is, yes, I think they were both therapists. I think they were both therapists. Um, is this the most successful character to be born out of another show? Oh, that's own? interesting because Fraser Crane was a character on Cheers. Came in late. Came in late. I, to I, Cheers? I don't believe he was there in the first couple seasons. Interesting. New, he was a new guy. Got to be the most successful spinoff, right? Besides, maybe like Rhoda. Wasn't Rhoda a spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore? I feel like the okay, – se- um, All in the Fam- – Jefferson's was a spinoff of All in the Family. Ooh, Jefferson's is one. up there. That's a big one. Jefferson's would be up there. But Frasier yeah, that's is a, big a heavyweight. One. People really cared about Frasier. Oh Way more than Joey. <laughs> Way more than Joey on NBC, yeah, okay. unfortunately. Okay. It happens. Unfortunately. Um, okay. So, yeah. Two um, two therapists. Yeah. It, living in Seattle. Living in Seattle. With Fra- their father. With their father. A blue-collar, gruff guy who just wants to stay in his recliner but has this goddamn Jack Russell <laughs> jumping all over him. <laughs> that, was like the, that was like the family ties kind of class difference thing where it was like the dad was blue collar and what and his sons are wh- sweater wearing talky talks he doesn't know yes and that exactly. was kind of what was fun about it they were like erudite professionals but he, uh her father had an ally her uh, his father yes. had an ally and that woman was Roz. Roz was an amazing character one of my early crushes of course i think she that was smoky like, voice yeah the engineer there was something about her yeah even in that musty tv landscape even with aniston even with courtney cox even with kudrow would you put her above aniston that, that's what I'm saying. It's like Helen Hunt was up there because I was like in in like mature married love with I'm her. I'm just talking about acting. <laughs> oh, just acting? Oh, I don't know. Better I than mean, Aniston? I'm kidding. Anna, yeah. <laughs> Aniston is my – I don't know. I don't think so. I think she's a technically perfect actress. She, she, she's perfect, right? Yes. She does those – she remembers every single line, delivers every line in order. And does smart water ads. <laughs> smart water ads. Yeah, billboards. Yeah. Yeah, Roz was amazing. Roz worked with Frazier in the radio studio. Yeah. Um, and She cut him down to size. Yeah, yeah. She would keep him in check. Um, so that was our intellectual show, and we talked about it earlier, but let's give it one more push. Then we got to the 10 o'clock hour. 10 o'clock, it was the – It co- never shook. It was always – some of those shows might have like maybe the 9.30 switched for a while, the 8.30 switched for a while. At 10 o'clock, you knew what you were getting. Emergency room. You were going to the emergency room. You're, the la- <laughs> Here's where the laughs end. Here's right. the laughs and some patients die. And ambulances pulling up <laughs> to the emergency room, and you're in it. You're not in Seattle anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? In Chicago. In, I are you in Chicago? C- Capital City America? Maybe, yeah. maybe Chicago. Chicago sounds like it would be the one. It was definitely like a cold city. Yeah. Because sometimes the doctors would go out and have a smoke. <laughs> and you're like, but you're doctors. You know so, that smoking is bad. How, how could you? This is dramatic. This is super dramatic. This doctor is smoking on the like parking lot. Yes. It's dramatic. And sometimes, and I wish I could pull up a specific example, but sometimes ER, the funny thing about ER would be like the fun, sometimes they would have amazing guest stars like in this episode like Jack Nicholson does a special episode really of, maybe not Jack but like they would have like certain special episode or like certain fancy and what, would guest the people stars. come in as like uh, people who needed help yes exactly like the, they... f- the husband of the wife who's pregnant okay and it would be like ooh that actor would and they that die was... would those people often die I think they would often die yeah I think they would I feel like you die. gotta bring them up like get them excited and then like really like pull the audience's heart out and be like Mariska Harkaday died <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You got her for an ep and she's dead. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely the time when the t- – I mean, yeah, once 9.30 turned to 10 and Frasier turned to ER, that was that was when I when we started to check out. Yeah. That's when we started to go That was away. a great block of television. My God. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. And now, like, that the TV is so fragmented, I don't know if it will ever be create recreated. I don't think that we can have a must-see TV, actual appointment television like that anymore. I just So, good news. Yeah. It's the third act of the No Joke yeah. podcast, the future of sitcoms, yeah. the future of must-see TVs. Yes. In this theoretical world, yes. all four shows are coming back. Whoa! Adam, you have achieved a certain level of success. God, I love this life. And... All of the showrunners have put out feelers to whoa, you whoa. saying, hey, we want you to uh, either write or whoa. act whatever you want in in any of these shows. Thank you, showrunners. However, you can only pick one. Oh, you can God. either only write um for one or act for one. Play in any of the role – play any of these roles that we know and love. Or you can create a new character that you think might color the world. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you have these four shows to choose from. That is so tantalizing, Billy. Friends, Mad About You, Seinfeld, Frasier, ER. I'm going to answer the question, but I would – I pose the exact same question to you. You first. Okay. Right off the bat, I would love to be Niles. Right Niles. off the bat, Niles Crane. You're replacing is a, David Hyde Pierce. Right off the bat, that to me is like, well, like my like, – that's where my ego is leading me. Tell me why. Um, so funny, so quippy, yes. similar body type. Yes. I can pull off an intellectual thin. Yes. Um, it, I just feel like I really could fit snappy in, dialogue. S- super snappy. I feel like I could fit in the world. Yes. Uh, there's a physical comedy element. I think that I could, and that wouldn't be bringing anything radically new to it. I just think that I could mimic David Hyde Pierce and, f- and bring to Niles what he brought to Niles. People would see you as <laughs> Niles quick. Okay, so You'd make a great Niles. Thank you. And that's just, that's for instinctual. Good. Right off the bat. Okay. Got it. Right off the bat. Yeah. Seinfeld, I'm far too intimidated. Mm-hmm. Far too intimidated. Yep. I mean, maybe I would say like, oh, maybe like to write for a, a new Seinfeld reunion would be amazing, obviously. Sure. Right. But to have the arrogance to step into the Seinfeld universe feels – Seriously. I, that feels way too daunting. Respect. Way too daunting. Respect. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. Don't right. try to fix it. I got it. Mad about you – Mad about you taking on Paul Buckman, documentary filmmaker and good husband, seems a little unfun. Yep. To be honest. That show's not fun to me. No offense to you, Paul Reiser. Right. A little unfun. Fun language, I'm sure, but like I'm, yeah. not, I'm not choosing that over the role you've already chosen. I don't think so. Again, right. maybe the Richard Kind part. It's maybe not, one not of the walk-in. Not beating out Niles. Not beating, you're not out-Nilesing Niles. Right. And then in Friends, what can I say? I don't know. Friends was never really my personal favorite, favorite, favorite. Gunther. I never, yeah, Gunther, who works at Central Perk. Right. <laughs> maybe. You could probably like I, I bet if you were Gunther, the um, you and Aniston relationship would be taken more seriously. <laughs> that's so sweet of you, Bill. I think that that would actually – ooh, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, and really, I'd get to meet Aniston. That's real sweet of you, man. Okay. That's what you're after. Yeah. That's what you're after. <laughs> this yeah. is my long shot to try to figure <laughs> yeah. out how I can get to Aniston. Yes. Got and it. just purely physically speaking, I could easily body double for Anthony Edwards at any given time. From oh, my the God. Front, from the back, we'd look identical. That's totally so true. So that's an easy – Holy crap. That's an easy find and replace right. for Anthony But Edwards. overall, you would take – if you had one choice – it's Niles. I think so. It kind of seems like the most fun role yep. to be in that in that universe. Yep. yep. Um, Billy, I posed the exact question to you. Where, where would you fit into this new rebooted musty TV? Let me walk you through it. Please. I have to kind of think out loud. Please, please. Friends is a fun world. It's so fun. It's very popular. Yeah. Um, the cast is great. You I, get meet, your, I meet Aniston. You get your umbrella. I get my umbrella. <laughs> I've already done that. I've already played in the fountain. Would I want to be a new character or replace somebody? The obvious choice is Joey. Joey, of Italian American, yes. plays dumb on camera, yes. charmingly doofy. But maybe there's a new character in there. I'm not so sure it's going to be Friends. That's fine. Mad about you. Yeah, just feels a little old for me. Uh, there's nothing really selling me, just like you. Not totally your universe that you want to really spend a lot of time. A little tan. A little tan. I mean, after Friends, it's full of color. Agreed. It's just not for me. I'm with you. Seinfeld again, hubris. It's tough. It's the, it's the- maybe putty. 
Oh, good one, Bill. Might want to be putty still. A lot of pressure. I mean, yeah. why replace what's perfect? Why? If, it, if it's not broke, please don't fix it. But it, that said, you make a great putty. Okay. You'd be an amazing putty. So putty's a consideration. Yes. It might be putty adjacent. Yes. Then we get to Frasier. I think the role is the dad. <laughs> the, the craggy dad. Yes. The craggy dad. I think dad. I could bring something new to this role. <laughs> yeah. I think that the audience in this reboot is going to be expecting uh, an actor older than his sons. <laughs> it's just like, this is, but wait. He's 20 years <laughs> younger than his sons. And one of his sons is Adam. <laughs> his peer. So Frazier <laughs> is now Frazier. Kelsey Grammer. Like, because the, na- the show promises you're getting Frazier. <laughs> and his brother is Adam, and his dad is Billy. <laughs> Billy, okay? If you're listening, Kelsey Grammer, please. Trevor can still play his <laughs> other son. His adult son. <laughs> so you could be my son. Trevor could be my grandson. Frazier <laughs> could be my son. And maybe we get the same dog. Are you listening, Peacock, that runs NBC? And Roz. <laughs> and Roz? That'd be, I'm, into, I'm into all of that. I mean, this Frazier reboot is really coming together. Right. That's good. Um, And then... <laughs> That's good. If it was ER, I might want to take Mariska Harkate's uh, guest starring role in the yeah, <laughs> guest star. Right. A tight three-episode arc. I would take the dad. Got to go dad. Got to go dad on Frasier. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see you on set. Yeah, it's going to be I can't wait to see you, man. I'm so excited to get to work. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Really exciting. Catch me in my recliner. I will. I'll be sitting there. In all seriousness, they did just announce that they're doing a Roseanne revival. That's right. coming back with the cast so intact. Holy th- shit. This is happening. This isn't that far off. Right. Frasier starring you, me, Frasier, and Trevor. It's still Trevor. It's coming. Okay, good. Uh, that's our must-see TV, must-hear podcast. Very, very fun. Fun. For the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And as always, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast.